Hi, I'm Bastian Schweinziger, and this is BR Football Ranks. Welcome to BR Football Ranks. My name is Jack Collins and I will be your host today. And there is no Sam Tai. It is just me and Dean Jones to begin with this week. Although we have a very special guest joining us later on, don't we, Dean? We absolutely do, yeah. Christian Falk, transfer guru, has the reputation on Twitter um, of true or not true, where he will retweet a rumour and tell you whether that's fact or fiction very quickly. Um doesn't know about every deal in the world, but he knows about a lot of them. And the information that he has is priceless, to be honest. He's one of the best connected men in the game. Um, and I've been chatting to him a little bit recently. Um, and he's a really good guy. So I thought we'd get him on the pod. He agreed to come. And it's going to be great to have him and, and just get his wisdom on some of these crazy rumours that are flying around right now. Even though I'm trying to chase all this stuff. Sometimes you just got to admit that there are people better connected. <laughs> Especially in Germany. And, and so many of this summer's big transfers are coming out of Germany. I think that's the kind of the real you know, go-to here is that some of these transfers that we're talking about, you know, we've seen Leroy Sane already go to Bayern Munich. And I'm sure we'll talk to Christian about that. But, you know, so many of these things, Sancho, Havertz, Werner, which has already gone through, these are all coming out of the Bundesliga. And it means a man like Falk is a, an incredible person to have in the studio with us. Well, in our virtual studio, shall we say. But before we do get onto transfers, and uh, I am very excited about that, it would seem remiss not to discuss this week's big news. And that is the news coming out on Monday that Man City's Champions League ban is overturned. I mean, what's your take on this, Dean? I'm going to basically make sure that your hot take is, is City-focused here. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, by the time this news is, is being taken in by the listeners, it's um, pretty much been accepted that Man City have, have got out of jail. But Man City themselves have been quietly confident of this for the whole time, particularly in the last few days leading into it there were uh, whispers that they were going to get off it and they were very happy about the way that this was going to play out it's um, a situation which kind of changes the face of football and people um, will certainly question FFP but I think the more immediate impact of this is what do Man City do now how do they prepare for next season does it change anything I'm told actually it won't because they have already got clear steps in their recruitment and what they want to do. Um, City, for all all the money that they have spent um, in recent years, they haven't gone and spent £100 million on players. And I think that they'll continue to sign very good players at big amounts of money without really blowing other people out of the water. So we the bank, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think they're not going to break the bank post-corona when they haven't actually been doing it even before that for, for one signing. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting. I think one thing it does give City is a bit more security. You know, you look at the likes of Raheem Sterling, Sergio Aguero, Kevin De Bruyne. If you're getting a two-year ban, especially for someone like Aguero, shall we say, a two-year ban in the Champions League pretty much rules out Sergio Aguero's chances of ever winning it again unless they win it this season. So you're looking at the futures of those kind of players and City can kind of relax a little bit on that now. You know, there was murmurs of Kevin De Bruyne hinting at an exit if there was a two-year ban. There were murmurs of all of these different players being like, I'm not sure I can sit through that and just watch it happen. And 
now that City don't have to worry about that, it's a case of, yes, we don't need to panic. We don't need to spend like we didn't do before, but equally can still attract top quality players to the club and, and will continue to do so. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that um, bringing people in is something that uh, Ferran Soriano and Chiki um, Bagiristein have been working on anyway because they know they were always confident they had to be confident that City could get over this and so those two guys have kind of been leading the club forward off the pitch making sure that they're ready for what comes next no matter the outcome and Guardiola's completely on board with what happens from here we're looking at Pep 2.0 we're looking at a new Man City being built now and they will base everything first and foremost, on a new defence. Changes have to be made. Uh, John Stones needs to go. Uh, probably Otamendi will go. Uh, you'll have Laporte, you'll have Fernandinho, you'll have Eric Garcia. But then from what I'm being told, they'll sign two, two defenders. One will be a big name, one will have experience. The other guy will be somebody that has hope for the future. So just some of the names that, that I've heard mentioned are, are Koulibaly, are Sionchu of Leicester, uh, Benfica's Ruben Diaz, uh, Milan Skriniar, and then on the other side of it, there's Nathan Ake and um, Pau Torres from Villarreal. So that was kind of the short list of names that I was given even before the verdict. And I'm told that we shouldn't really expect things to be too different. They're not suddenly going to change their transfer shortlist based on the outcome of, of what Cass have said. And then yeah. on, on top of that, obviously, they want a new left back. I think that that's well reported. Well, Nathan Ake, you mentioned there, is also more than capable of filling in on the left side of a back four. Um, potentially, not, potentially not what Pep wants from, from his left backs who you know, need to get forward, tuck inside, create those kind of channels. And, and maybe Nathan Arquette isn't that player, but more than capable of filling in there in a defensive role. And, and City's defensive side has actually been what's plagued to them. Yeah, totally. And I think that they'll only probably sign a Ben Chilwell if they, just, if they sell Benjamin Mendy. Um, I'm not sure you're going to get a buyer for Benjamin Mendy in, in this market right now. Not at the price they'd want anyway. Not at the price they paid for it either. So yeah, I think that that's where we focus our attention. Moving on into midfield, I'd say that they are actually pretty confident about the way things are shaping up there. Um, Rodri, they've got faith in coming good now. I think it, it took a little while to show English fans at least what he was capable of. I think anybody that had seen him before that would know that he was able to to eventually fill the role that he was expected to. Kevin De Bruyne is going nowhere. Um, and so that will be crucial to them. I think one name that I've been given a few times is Ruben Neves, potentially coming in. It makes sense. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And weirdly, Martin De Roon as well. Um, this... We just need that just for the social media game in the UK. <laughs> Honestly, like, so whenever I... Um, there's a couple of people I speak to. Martin Darun's name comes up a lot more regularly than you would imagine in a Manchester City conversation. Um, so that might be one to look out for. But as I say, you know, De Bruyne is what it's all about. And I think that when, that, when there were fears they weren't going to be in Europe, the biggest fear is that De Bruyne is going to go because he, a player of, that's that good and of the age he is can't afford to sit around and wait, but they're fine. And then you go forward to their attacking line and, and what they do there. Do they... Do they keep faith in Gabriel Jesus, I think, is the biggest question here. Sergio Aguero is coming towards the end. I'd say we'll probably get one more season out of him. And what do they do there? It's always been that Gabriel Jesus is the man that steps in for Aguero. And they continue to say that that is the plan. I don't know. What do you think? 
Can well, they afford to rely on, on Gabriel Jesus? I'm just not sure if they can. I, I do actually think they can. I, I'm a big Gabriel Jesus advocate and have been for quite a long time. But also, you know, every time he gets knocked back, he seems to come back and prove his worth. Now, I do think that that is a genuine sign of a player. You know, he came out, scored two this weekend. He's 11 goals for the season, I believe now, you know, making them the first side to have five players who are all on 10 plus goals, which is right. pretty incredible for someone who hasn't massively featured, especially in the latter half of the season. I think, you know, at the start of the season, we saw a bit more of him. We saw a bit with the Aguero injury, but the fact is he's still scoring double figures goals you know, on limited appearance, limited numbers of minutes. And, and, and frankly, I, I'd be more than happy. I think Gabby Jesus would start for still probably 24, 25 of the Champions League 32. And I think yeah. that that is probably as much of a compliment as you can give. Who else are you going to bring in there who has that kind of ability right now just to play second fiddle to Aguero? Probably not. I, I really do think that, that Gabby Jesus is, is the player that, that City should stick with there because I just don't know... What else you do to make that work? Yeah, I mean, the two, na- the two names that you could argue could go in there and just bide their time a little bit and become stars are two players that have been linked with them already, Lautaro Martinez um, and Kai Havertz. Um, Kai Havertz is an interesting one because you could play Kai Havertz in a lot of different positions and it would allow him to therefore return back into the way it works. I think that if you you have kind of a set on, on Kai being a number nine in the future, which I'm still not completely sure about, if I'm honest. I still think he's probably a 10. Um, but if, if you do do bring in Kai Havertz and he is seen as a long-term kind of solution in the nine role, then at least you can play him in other positions while you wait for that to develop and, and allow Aguero to see out his time in relative comfort. I think there is logic in, in Man City going for a player like that. I'd say that, that there are two major things holding them back from doing that. One will be the fee that both of those players would command. Um, and secondly is the stance that Man City have, is, which is that they're not going to... That is not a position that they're prioritising right now. So we'll, we'll have to see whether they stick by that, but all, all the messages are that, that they're going to. So you know, it'll be interesting to see what Pep does here. Is he really going to only have one more year at Man City? Is he looking beyond that? If he's only staying for one more year, then he's going to obviously be signing players that are making immediate impacts and helping him win the Premier League back next season. If he's got designs on staying for two or three years, maybe he can look a, be a little bit more long-sighted. So we'll see, but it's, it's definitely an interesting time. And um, I think Liverpool will be keeping an eye on things for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be? But I mean, I'm going to move that onto my hot take with a, with a nice little link because we're talking about players that have reinvented themselves, shall we say, in, in different positions. And the thing that I have loved this week and the thing that you need to know about that I love is Raul Garcia, who plays for Athletic Club of Bilbao. Now, Raul Garcia is a 34-year-old centre midfielder. Or at least Raul Garcia was a 34-year-old centre midfielder. He has suddenly turned into La Liga's elite goalscorer. And since we've come back from the coronavirus break, nobody has scored more goals than Raul Garcia in La Liga. This is a man on fire. And I, for one, am so here for it that it's almost a joke. Um, He basically was just like an ageing 10 who sort of, sometimes played and often came off the bench for Bilbao. And now he has turned into this absolute killer in the box. He has become 
you know, uh, an ice cold finisher. He has reinvented himself in the kind of absence of Ulitsa Durius. He's become the kind of figurehead, the spirit animal of this team. And everyone obviously thought that that player was going to be Anaki Williams, who remains an unbelievable talent and an unbelievable footballer. But Raul Garcia has kind of come from nowhere as this mad goal scorer for Athletic Club. And frankly, it makes me very, very happy. And you should watch Athletic and fall in love with Raul Garcia because why not? Yeah, he's the new Messi, right? I, I think so. Young kid, got a lot of uh, lot of potential. Um, well, it's quite him. funny because you think back to our La Liga episode and we were trying to think about what impacts would there be on having no fans in the ground and um, without that pressure that comes with it, who's, who's good on a small stage? And I thought that actually Messi was going to be better than ever and I think I predicted two or three hat-tricks from Messi before we saw the season out. And um that prediction has been very wrong. I mean, he's still got 20 goals and 20 assists, first place to do it since Thierry Henry. It's, it, it's not, you know, it's nothing to sniff at. No, but I thought he would be on this solo show um, that just hasn't been able to happen. And I, I'm not entirely sure it's just, it's Messi's fault, to be honest. But um, he's been outshone. He's been outshone. And we've got a new star of La Liga. Absolutely. Well, let's go from, from the top bin to the bottom. And uh, who's this week's Melon of the Week? It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Danielle Regani of Juventus. Yeah, Jack, for this one, I'm going back to last week's game between Juve and AC Milan. Juve were two up, but Milan turned the game around. Regani was making his first start in a long time in defence for Juve, and he was the weak spot. He made a particularly high-profile mess-up when they were 3-2 down. He tried to, like tactically foul Rebic I guess to stop an attack but actually the ref just waved play on because an even better chance opened up a result of his foul. Regani raced back uh, into position and tried to get across to cover Liao but the Milan man hit a shot towards goal which Regani could only deflect into his own net. Bit of a nightmare for him really. Juve lost 4-2 and I noticed Regani found himself back on the bench at the weekend. What a melon. Well, very well deserved, I think. Uh, you can't really argue with that. Um, let's move on to our chat with Christian Falk because it is time to talk transfers. And without further ado, here's what happened when we met Germany's main man in the transfer market. Well, it is transfer season. And that means here at BR Football Ranks, we get bombarded with rumours from all angles. And often we struggle to know what's true and what's not. So we've decided it's time to dive into some of those rumours right here, right now, to work out exactly the biggest deals that are going to happen this summer. And to help Dean out, much as he is a, a colossus in his own, we are joined by another transfer colossus, Mr. Christian Falk, head of sport at German newspaper Build and one of the most trusted sources in the game. He loves to give opinions on big deals, tweeting true or not true on all the big transfer gossip from the Bundesliga and beyond. Christian, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Servus and hello from Germany, Bavaria. Uh, I'm feeling fine. The weather is good. Leroy Sané is in town since yesterday. He did his first training session. So we're happy and looking forward to the Champions League and the new season. And this is a good time of year for, for you guys. It's, uh, it's where the cogs really start to turn, right? Yeah, it was a very, very long way to get Leroy Sané. It was not only hard work for Bayern Munich, it was also hard time for our reporters. There were many, many news around. And uh, I think uh, we were very clear that he will come to Bayern Munich, but it was not always easy to report about that because um, there were some 
rumors and meanings allow that it won't work, but now we're happy that it did. Very much. It's over the line, which is, which is the main thing with that one. It's felt like it's been coming forever, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, you know, we have a new age now at Bayern Munich. We have many, many young players like Leroy Sané. Indeed, uh, the most of them are in the same age. And uh, I think with him now, we have a new era after robbery we were waiting for. And now a new story can begin. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Dean, you're going to start us off with this. Why? Well, so it's very much a a loose ranking, shall we say, this week. But talking about all the Bundesliga transfers and beyond, the biggest ones that are going to happen this summer. And Sane felt like the first of a lot of of big deals that might be yeah. coming in and out of Germany. Yeah, I think that um, we we've been waiting for for this transfer season because it it's it's been a strange one building up to it because. Um, you go back to February and the big deals that were, were starting to build up um, suddenly got blown out of the water by uh, coronavirus and everything that came with it. And we weren't actually sure once the game restarted what kind of landscape we were looking at across European football, world football. Um, obviously, deals have started to fall into place now. Leroy Sané, to be honest, um, that is a cheap deal as far as I'm concerned. For Bayern Munich to get to get Sanai at basically half of what Man City originally valued him at when the two clubs started talking. Um, it's a fantastic piece of business. But what's the knock-on effect of that? Are we going to see 100 million euro transfers? Um, I do think it's possible. It's going to be difficult and it's going to take a very special player to make it happen. So yeah, this show, I think we need to focus on the biggest transfers that we can expect um, this summer and uh, the ones we can take serious, basically. So I, I did a piece with uh, with Christian and with Fabrizio Romano the other day. It went down very well. Our superstar transfer window reporters, um, people loved it. So having Christian on the pod, I hope, goes down very well. And he has um, a depth of knowledge that very few people in the game have. Um, it's also very different. Um, whichever country you're from, you report very differently. In, in England, we're very dependent on intermediaries and agents, um, as is the case, obviously, in Germany and Italy. But sometimes they have, they can get better contacts there within clubs. And Christian, obviously, very well uh, situated within Bayern Munich to, to give us the scoop on, on some of the things happening there. So which one should we start with, Jack? Where do, where do you want to start? Well, you mentioned 100 million plus transfers there, and it feels right to start with, you know, we've talked about Sane already, but another superstar winger who, who might be on the other way, you know, from, uh, from, from England to Germany or Germany to England. So let's start this with a man who's been, you know, talked about almost immeasurably in this window, Jaden Sancho. This move from, from Dortmund to Man United has been propagated for months in terms of what, what they need, what they want to bring in. Christian, what's your, your thoughts on Jaden Sancho and, and his future? Oh, indeed, we would like to keep him one more year because he makes a lot of fun. And, um, you know, the focus, of because of him and of Bundesliga is big, except, um, especially from Premier League, you know, because uh, sometimes I don't know if you recognize so much what we are doing here in Germany, but since he is here, uh, I see that the fans of Premier League are looking to our league and it's really nice. And I remember when I was in St. George Park to visit, uh, um, I made a report on uh, how you educate players because you have very, very good youth teams in England now. We're a little afraid from. And um, <laughs> then uh, the coach of him, the youth coach, uh, I think they were world champion in, in a youth uh, league. I don't know which year, 19, 
Yeah, I'm yeah, not 20, sure. yeah, 20, yeah. Jane Sanchez were, were, were that was a very, very good crop. A very one, yeah. And the coach get at that moment when we were talking <laughs> a short message for, from him and said, "Oh, oh, I'm so exciting! I'm playing tomorrow for Dortmund." I heard, and it was really nice to hear. And, and nobody knew him before, and to see his way in the Bundesliga, it was impressive. So we hope uh, that Dortmund will be strong and don't take your money. But if <laughs> if United is paying 100 and plus million euros, I'm sure we will lose him. But um, Dortmund made a deadline. You know, you have time till the 10th of August. Um, then they start the preparation. So if they don't uh, react quick, we keep him one year more. Absolutely. Dina, I'll throw it back to you. And that deadline was something we talked about on Transfers in 20 last week. It, it does kind of change the playing field a little bit and it does level things a little bit back in Dortmund's favour in terms of how this is how this is looking because now they have very much a, this is it. You don't play by our rules. You're not playing at all. Well, I think what has to happen now is that Man United actually have to get moving with this. It's all very well talking up and, and making character checks on Sancho and uh, making it clear that this is the player that they want as a priority into the club. But now Dortmund are setting a date, then United have to get moving because they've got to start deciding how much this player is worth to them. Um, I wrote a piece about it the other day and what needs to happen and how they're going to work out Sancho's valuation because um, they don't want to pay the $113 million that he's valued at, not in this climate. It was reported last week or the week before that they only valued him at 50 million. That's not true. Man United know they can't get Jaden Sancho for 50 million. Not true. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to take the words out of Christian's mouth and his tweets. That's not true. Um, but what is true is they do want him and they have to figure out where this lies. They don't want to pay more than the 89 million pounds they paid for Pogba. So they don't want to break their transfer record. But on the flip side, last year they paid 80 million pounds for Harry Maguire. So Borussia Dortmund aren't going to say, well, hold on, you can't pay less than you paid for Harry Maguire last year because Jadon Sancho is a game changer. He's, he's going to change your, the shape of your seasons, what you can achieve. So I think you're looking at somewhere in between that, which would be maybe 95 million euros. And maybe that's the point that they go in at. And then we also have to take into account what the agent wants out of this. That's, that's one side of things that can drive these deals up. And that's what really drove up the Pogba deal as well. Uh, be interested to see what Christian thinks about that. And also, Man United don't really want to stick to this deadline that they've been given. Man United like, well, that's not what the transfer deadline is. Maybe we can extend that. What do you think, Christian? I think it's all a question of money. You know, if, if, if they say we pay more, then the 10th of August will fall also. And it's, I think it was very interesting that you talk about the character of Sancho. I remember when Bayern Munich was very interested in him too. They didn't get him because... Um, Dortmund had this, um, you know, they, they form young players uh, and um, the bosses of Bayern Munich were also phoning with Pep Guardiola. Both wouldn't confirm it, but uh, Pep Guardiola at this time had um, doubts because of his character. So that was really interesting, but um, that uh, Bayern Munich, perhaps they hesitate because of that. I know that Salihamidzic, our sporting director, would like to do it anyway. But, you know, there was also money paid and so they weren't sure. But you see what a, a good influence uh, for a young player he has uh, when he can play football, you know. It, I think if he stayed in the Premier League, it would be hard for him to get into the team. In Dortmund, um, he could do it. They promised it to him. And it was very intelligent of Dortmund because that's why they get the player Haaland. 
and perhaps next, uh, not perhaps they get the player Bellingham. So because of that, so you know, you see on Bellingham they have already a plan B. So mm-hmm. they need the money. You know, they Dortmund is not such a rich club like United, like City. So they're preparing the next step, and and so as I told you, it's just a question of money, I think, but. I think they're not disappointed if United don't pay it. Yeah, no, it would make sense. Uh, I don't think they'd be too upset if they, they have to keep a player like Jaden Sancho for another season. How I'm going to work this is, you know, we're BR Football Ranks, we rank things. Uh, and in terms of making things like, I'm going to ask you to, to, what do you think, out of 10, how likely is this one to go through? And I'll ask you on all of them and I'll get one from both of you and we'll go from there. So, Christian, I'll start with you. How, how likely out of 10, Sancho to United? I give you an English 8 and a German 6. <laughs> DJ? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go with a, a round eight because I think that United want the player. The player seems really, really keen on this move. And I think that eventually it has to come to the point that if Jaden Sancho really wants this to happen, then he'll put his foot down and, and kind of make a fuss. So that's when, that's when we'll really see how much uh, chance there is of this happening. So I'm going to go. For, Go for an eight and, and leave some optimistic Man United fans hanging on there. They'll be they'll be very happy to hear it, I would imagine. Um, Christian, we're going to move on and move to, as you said earlier, your, your links within Bayern Munich. And a story that Dean and I have been discussing, you know, for a couple of weeks now. But at first it was very much a, there's absolutely no chance that is happening to a, maybe, to a, ooh, that, that looks like it might happen, is Thiago. Uh, basically coming out of Munich. Liverpool is the club that's touted, but you know, anywhere really. I think if you'd asked me a month ago, would Thiago leave Bayern this summer, I would have laughed at you. Uh, and if you ask me now, I'm thinking, well, maybe. What's the latest on Thiago? Um, we have now the situation that uh, Bayern Munich uh, thinks that he is leaving because he didn't extend his contract the way he did it. Uh, was not very, how do you say, it was not gentleman-like, like in England <laughs> you would say. So uh, I think um, he will leave, but uh, he has to bring the club. I think he's very sure that he has a club. I think we know the club. But the big question is, uh, is the club paying the fee Bayern Munich is expecting? Uh, I'm sure we were talking about Liverpool. Uh, they don't want to spend so much money this year. We already know that's why they missed Werner. Klopp would like to have him. So if a player like Thiago is on the market, uh, perhaps they do it. They need a player in this uh, position. But again, question of money, um, they have to bring. And I think uh, Liverpool is now the Bayern Munich and uh, <laughs> Bayern Munich is now City. So <laughs> <laughs> somebody is trying to get the price a little bit lower, the other one higher. But indeed, there were no... Um, no negotiations yet. So Thiago is making a big secret also in the club. His friends in the team, that's why we heard of it, uh, talking about Liverpool. But they have to pay the price for him. And I think Bayern Munich is doing everything to sell him now because um, they don't want to let him go for free next summer. And we have uh, with Goretzka and Kimmich, two players in the middle, which work very well at the moment, which are playing together in the national team. So perhaps we find a solution. Everybody is happy. Absolutely. I mean, Bayern are, are blessed in that in the middle anyway. You know, Corentin Tolisso is, is a wonderful player. He hasn't played so much. But also Mikel Cuisance, who came in last week, last year in the summer in a bit of a random 
last minute kind of move away. And so, so there's plenty of depth there that Bayern don't need to, to panic sell either, but they also yes. have no real, you know, if Thiago wants to go and someone offers the money, there appears to be enough depth to, to cover off. I mean, even for a player of Thiago's quality, and, and I love Thiago. This is no secret to regular listeners of the show. I am a huge, huge fan of Thiago's. But, you know, in terms of the way that Bayern have built that midfield and, and the way that it's very kind of solid at the back, you know, it's not the end of the world for Bayern if someone like Thiago leaves. Yeah, um, yes. I think um, they have new solutions and uh, he played now here for seven years. So perhaps it's a good time to cut and um, because you mentioned Tolisso, so I think Liverpool's fans will love to hear it if they get Thiago United. Uh, ha- has not such a good chance to get Tolisso, so they can make a double trouble <laughs> for yeah, United. Well, absolutely. Dean, uh, what are your thoughts on this one before I get your kind of ratings on, on where this is going? Well, I only really know this from the Liverpool end. And all of the sounds that we're getting out of Liverpool are that they're not going to be spending big money this, this summer again, which is kind of surprising because they haven't done any big deals for a while now. And you think, OK, you've, you've won the title, like to stay at the top, you've got to get even stronger to remain there because all the teams behind you are going to keep pushing. And we know Man City are bound to make two, maybe even three big signings over the summer. So how do Liverpool kick on? And I think that we've seen, though, that they're not willing to be pushed and bullied into business. And we saw that with Werner. They just weren't ready to do that deal. I think what's going to decide um, Liverpool's strategy will be knowing what the landscape is like for the coming season. Are supporters coming back into the stadiums? Uh, What's the look of the Champions League? What's the focus for other teams around them in terms of building their team? How important is it that they actually do go and make a big, big sign-in? And if they do make a big sign-in, is the centre and midfield the place where they need to prioritise? Because to be honest, everything I've been told is that the main thing that Klopp wants is a defender who is largely a centre-back, but could also fill in on the left-hand side if needed. Um, that's not Thiago, obviously, um, but it's a difficult one. The other way to look at it is if Thiago becomes available, you've got to go for it because players are this good that just don't come along very often. And of course, Jurgen Klopp, somebody that's watched him for so long, will, will know what he can bring to his team and know that um, the centre of his side will be safe for, for the coming years. So it's a tricky one. Um, and I'm probably not giving it much chance right now just because I'm not sure Liverpool will pay what Bayern want. So out of 10? I'm going to go six. Christian, I'll throw it to you because Dean's just given me the perfect opportunity for a segue, so I'm moving this on. <laughs> so you get from me a Liverpool 7 and a Munich 9. Oh, okay. Oh. All right, that's good news. <laughs> well, we're talking about players who could play centre-back but also could play left-back. There are murmurs of David Alaba being potentially on the move to Manchester City. He is the player that potentially Jurgen Klopp wants there, but it's City that uh, seem to be doing the front-running with this one. What's the latest here, Christian? Uh, I think he has no concrete offer at the moment. He's dreaming not about the Premier League. I'm very, 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 very sorry. It's Barcelona and Real Madrid he wants to go and they don't have the money. So we're really positive that he's staying at Bayern Munich. Um, Indeed, he has a crazy, crazy idea of what he can earn at Bayern Munich. So this is a problem at the moment. Uh, (laughs) uh, They won't pay the price. Uh, They... uh, want to have yeah it's just one uh, year contract left so we have to see if he has um uh, the cojones uh, to to stay one year more without a new contract 
but Bayern Munich is uh, working on that, that he will sign the contract. I think now he can imagine to stay here because of Flick, he has a really, really good relationship. He is the boss in the defense. So if these two clubs, Real and Barcelona, are not going for him this summer, I think we have a good chance that he makes a new contract. And I think he will not go to City and I think another Premier League club also now. No, well, that's uh, very, very interesting. I mean, I think Sam Tai, who's a reg, you know, a very much part of this uh, podcast on a regular basis, is he's oh, kind of adamant that Alaba is the key link, the Jenga piece, if you will, at Bayern that kind of holds everything together in the way that there are obviously magnificent players all over the park. This is Bayern Munich; they're probably the best team in Europe right now, but. Sam's adamant that Alaba is the Jenga piece that sticks everything together, holds it together at the back, has the pace to cover, can play numerous positions. He's very much part of the gel and the fabric of this side. So, I mean, Dean, you can understand why, why players are after him. But ultimately, I don't think that Alaba leaving would be a particularly strong point for anyone, really. No, absolutely. I think that there are a couple of reasons this, is, this has cropped up now. Um, one of them being that I know that one of Alaba's representatives is pretty well in with Man City already. Um, and I think that part of that, part of the rumour has come from the fact that there are links already being made be- between Alaba and, and Man City in terms of players that are represented by his group. Um, but however much Pep Guardiola wants him, as Christian says, they've never been that optimistic, to be honest. I think it's just a player that they really like, they know would work. And if there was any possibility at all, they would take him. So I think they just ask the question and they've pretty much got their answer, which is what Christian has just told you. And about that, I was just wondering because um, I knew that, um, and we're very sure that um, Manchester City tried to make a swap deal with Koeman uh, and they didn't ask for Alaba. That was just an idea of their agent. So I don't think it will get really hot this summer. And uh, if you want to get him, you have to look a little bit like perhaps Paris uh, can do something. But um, I think um, not City. All right, let's move. Let's just rank it and uh, and move onwards. Christian, out of ten, uh, zero. <laughs> zero. Okay, Dean. Well, I'm just going to give it a one because I can't say zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move over to Leverkusen. This one heating up as well. Kai Havertz possibly on the way out. And look, Leverkusen missed out in the Champions League in in reasonably heartbreaking fashion in the last kind of three four games of the season and. It was in their own hands with three games to go and they managed to, to, to throw that away. There's talk of Kai Havertz now, you know, really pushing this one, really pushing the exit, the exit button. Is part of that, Christian, do you think because Leverkusen haven't secured Champions League football, does this go deeper than that? Yeah, no, there are a few, few things uh, we have to see at this transfer. I think this is the typical Corona transfer um, because uh, I knew that... Um, in January, the agents informed Leverkusen uh, about the clubs which are interesting, interested in uh, in Kai, and there were seven, you know. And if you see the row, there was Real, there was Barca, Bayern Munich, of course. You go through, and at at the end of this row, there was Chelsea, and uh, <laughs> now Chelsea is uh, ahead in this uh, poker, and um, because the other clubs can't pay so much money at the moment, um, Chelsea showed and Werner that they can do that. And um, one of the last interviews Kai gave us um, before the season ended, um, he was asked about his problem with Champions League. And you saw at this moment, he didn't say it clearly, but if Leverkusen would be in Champions League, he would say, okay, 
Uh, I wait one year more, perhaps. I can play Champions League there. It's good for my education. And then I can uh, do the transfer now. I sign now. Uh, we make something clear. What I do in 221. But it not happened with <laughs> Champions League. So now I think he won a move. And um, this club, uh, which bringing the price in for, for Leverkusen, it's also a question of money. If it's now 100 or 90 million euros, uh, at the end, uh, but it's a high amount. Bayern Munich won't pay it. Barcelona won't pay it. I think Real is trying to do a swap deal at the moment. But if one of the English clubs uh, would like to have him and they pay it, so good. Well, I mean, there's the other element of that is that obviously Mihail Balak is on the board at Leverkusen and very much involved behind the scenes. He's a man with a Chelsea history himself and who came, when he came to England, was massively successful at Stamford Bridge. Will that have any impact on proceedings? <laughs> yes, uh, and not only because of that, perhaps. Uh, I don't know if, if, if it was mentioned in England, but um, when Werner was coming to Chelsea, um, the agent of Balak, which did also the transfer of Balak, uh, had his finger in the deal. So um, he made him working this deal. And so if you have such connections uh, to Germany and uh, many, many people are sitting on the table and uh, I think he's a kind of player which is really, really uh, about the type like Balak. And um, I think there are some people in the background who could uh, push the deal a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that makes sense. Dean from a Chelsea end, are they pretty confident these days? Um, I wouldn't say they're confident of signing Kai Havertz, but I think that they have been given encouragement because of the fact that there aren't as many teams competing for him as they would have expected in normal circumstances. As, as Christian mentioned at the start, when he first started covering this story and there were so many teams um, after Kai Havertz, and I think Chelsea just starting to look at it and you start to see Barcelona and Real Madrid fall away and Bayern Munich then fall away. And you're like, okay, we've got, there's a possibility here to get one of the best young players in the world. Um, the flip side of it that I'm asked all the time is, but Chelsea don't need him. They've got five players that can play this position and, and, and do these things. But the thing you have to look at, um, and which you know, source that Chelsea constantly reminds me, is that there are concerns about Callum Hudson-Odoi right now. They're not sure about um, the way that he's progressing. There are a couple of concerns about him um, and his attitude. Um, that's what's been, been told to me. And they're like, that's so... There are a couple of doubts that Frank Lampard's got in his mind. So he wants a plan B. And if he's going to have a plan B for Hudson-Odoi, it's got to be a big plan to replace him. Um, I don't know what would happen to Hudson-Odoi because he's just been given a huge new contract. It wasn't long ago that Bayern Munich were trying to sign him. Um, but it seems he's taken his eye off the ball a little and, and isn't in uh, Frank's plan. So I think that Chelsea will try. But I also know that they've got big issues in other parts of the field, particularly defence, which they have to fix. Um, and I think that they need to know that they've got the money to do to fix their defensive problems as well as sign Kai Havertz. So they need to know that there are um, squad players that they can make good money for to make up for all of this. It could happen. There's no doubt about that. But I also think that they'll be tested at some point by at least one other Premier League team to sign him. And it wouldn't surprise me if Man City try and get involved here. Okay. Well, out of 10, Dean, to Chelsea or, or, a, Chelsea. or in general? I think in general, uh, him leaving Leverkusen, I would probably go as far as a nine at this stage. But in, in joining Chelsea, I'd have to temper that just a little um, and say seven just because 
I just get the impression that they can't have this. They can't have a free run at Kai Havertz. <laughs> Christian? I agree, absolutely. So the nine is true and the seven as well. Okay, <laughs> okay. Oh, I've got a true off of Christian. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, a, it's the big dream. We're making dreams happen. It's like make a wish in here. Um, let's go back to Bayern though, Christian. And something, again, that's been sort of rumoured, but nothing majorly kind of set is Serginho Dest uh, coming in. Now, Bayern have right backs to spare, if you will. I know Kimmich has moved into the centre of the park. I still think he's a wonderful right back if you need him to play there. There's Pavard, who's sort of a right back slash centre back, and, and there's that kind of thing. But Serginio Dest is a player that would seem to fit with, with Bayern's philosophy and would make them the fastest fullback pairing in the entire world. Yeah, so it's true Bayern Munich is interested. Um, but uh, it's also true that uh, there are a little bit doubts because Bayern Munich doesn't want to spend so much money these days. Um, I think their idea is um, a loan deal, uh, perhaps with one year and then buying him one year later. Uh, but I understand if, uh, that Ajax and the player himself say, uh, if you want me, uh, if you want him, uh, pay the money now. So I think this is a little bit the problem at the moment um, to find the amount which is, is good for it because... Um, um, you know, if Leroy Sané was cost, the price was a one year ago, 155 million euros. Now they have such an attacking player with 49 million plus 11 bonus. Um, so how much do you pay for a right back at this time? So it's hard to find a solution. I think um, if they make a loan deal, it will work. So I think he will want to come to Bayern Munich. Um, but if they have to pay a price, which is over 20 million euros and 20 million would also be a lot of money at this time for right back. Uh, it's getting difficult. Dean, there's also talk of Barcelona being involved in this and we know that Serginio Dest is a childhood Barcelona fan and ha- has, you know, always had his sights in some way set on, on a Blaugrana career. Is, is there still interest from that Barcelona end or, or is that starting to fade with the fact that they just don't really have any money? <laughs> Yeah, the interest hasn't faded. They just don't have any money to do anything about how much they like the player right now. And they, they've got Samedo, and unless he moves on, then they're going to stick with him um, and can't sign Dest. I think that Dest is kind of in a no-lose situation right now because he could do with um, another year at Ajax, I think, ideally. I think it would really help him progress. I think the style of football is great. He's been there for a long time. He's happy. Uh, but when a club like Bayern Munich shows interest in you, you can't ignore it. Um, and he knows that. He knows that the philosophy of, of their football and everything the club stands for would fit with him. He could, he could be very successful there. It's a great next step for him. So he has to take it seriously. But like Christian says, Ajax are not interested in a loan. You know, if they're going to let people out right now, there are probably three or four people ahead of Dest that they would rather left. You know, if you look at like Van der Beek, he's, they, they know that Van der Beek served his time with them. They're a club that are very allowing in letting players move on once they've they've been at the club for a while and been successful. And somebody like Van der Beek is ahead of Dest in being allowed to leave. So I don't think they're going to just be like, okay, yeah, go on loan and enjoy yourself. I think that they're going to say, you can leave, but they're going to have to pay good money for you. Um, and if that's the case, then it sounds like from what Christian's saying that, that it's going to have to be on hold for you. Fair enough. Christian, uh, out of 10? Four. Dean? Yeah, five. 
fine. Let's bring things full circle. Uh, we started with Jaden Sancho potentially leaving Dortmund, and we'll uh, we'll finish with a man who's been linked as being his potential replacement, Ferran Torres from Valencia. Uh, there's been talk this morning a little bit around the internet of, of, of Man City interest here, but but Dortmund have been far and away the, the club that have, have kind of provided the most natural landing spot for Ferran. Is there anything in here, Christian? Well, I'm not so sure. You know, Dortmund, <laughs> Dortmund has not so much money at the moment. They had really problems to get the, the money for Bellingham. So I don't think that could work at the moment. Contingent on Sancho leaving, potentially? I they have really less money. <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you see the last... last um, numbers um, but I don't think they spent much money more if, if they get Bellingham they have already uh, done a few other things I would say it won't work but um, you know if, if the money is on the table we can you can call me again <laughs> Dean is there anything from the city here side here because this has come kind of out of nowhere but it would make sense it makes sense in terms of the style of play and Ferran Torres is somebody that's due a move this summer I think that we could all see the, the potential that he's got and Dortmund would be a good fit, but but so too, obviously, would, would Man City. I think that City haven't really been talking about signing a like-for-like like replacement for Leroy Sané. They've been looking for somebody that's, if they're going to sign a forward player, that can play all across the front. Um, but actually, again, their priority is to sign a centre-back and a left-back. So I think that they are the two positions that Man City will get cemented. And then they'll look to pick other pieces around it. I saw the reports of, of Torres going into Man City. I think it was 30 to 40 million. It's, it's not a bad a bad price, but as Christian says, probably out of Dortmund's range. When he first started being talked about, it was 20 million. So he seems to be the only player that's going up after coronavirus rather than down. Um, <laughs> maybe that's because it's Man City now being talked about and, and after the verdict um, that they're going to be in Europe. People think they're going to take advantage of that. I don't know, but... Um, I do think Ferran Torres will leave this summer. I think that he can get a really good move. I'd say Man City is probably more likely than, than Dortmund from what, from what Christian is saying there. The piece I did with Christian the other day, and, and he, was, he kind of mentioned it a minute ago, that he, he thinks that kind of the superstar signings are, are still going to be possible, but it's kind of the level below that that, that might become a bit more difficult. Yeah, so this is true. And um, I think we, we will hear many, many rumours, but we are... Just at the beginning of this transfer summer, I think um, what Chelsea did with Werner was, uh, we like to call it a domino stone. So it's beginning now and uh, you hear and you mention it as well. I heard about a little bit about this Pjanic deal with Arthur. It's getting so complicated this summer, not only for the clubs, it's getting a very complicated also for us journalists. So um, I think some... Things happen already now, and this was good for this transfer market. Uh, nobody would say a few weeks ago that Leroy Sané uh, would uh, go so quick, at least, after one year <laughs> waiting. And Werner was also an important step. But uh, now you know we have a Champions League before, and the clubs have their own problems uh, to, to get there, the players. Uh, always when I talk with Bayern Munich and the agents, which are talking with Bayern Munich, they always say, oh... Uh, they don't move at the moment. They won't decide anything at the moment. They just want to win the triple. <laughs> so I think many, many of the big clubs which are still in the tournament um, are still waiting what has happened. They do the key players like it's Werner for Chelsea, like it's Sané for Bayern Munich. I heard that Messi was very keen uh, to get Pjanic 
So there was also a lot of pressure. Perhaps it's not the big, big name, but if Messi say, I need this player for my game to get the passes, he is a very important player. So let's wait a little bit. And if we could answer every question now, we don't have to talk and write next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christian, all I can say is thank you so much for joining us on BL Football Ranks today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. That was a pleasure, a true pleasure for me. Well, how good was he? Oh, mate, he's, he's the man in the know, isn't he? Um, yeah, you just got to trust every word the man says because he's so well-connected. He's such a nice guy as well, um, and great for him to take time out of his very busy schedule. Um, On the day that Leroy Sané arrives. <laughs> he's trying to talk about you know, Sané's first training session, and he's tweeting about it, and then he takes time out for the rank squad. Yeah, who doesn't? I mean, look, this is this is what we think for you, Rank School. We're asking the top boys in football to uh, to come and give you their knowledge. We've done the Bundesliga almost to death, Dean. I don't think there's going to be a single transfer in the Bundesliga that we don't know about happening. Um, there is. I'll call him up and ask him why I forgot it. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, there's no Sam this week, obviously. So uh, we are without a nonsense ranking. So instead we are going to do a quick fire transfer special. And uh, this is basically what we do on Instagram Live, isn't it? So for those of you, you know, who are Instagram followers, uh, make sure you get on BR Football's Instagram story or, or Instagram Live at 3 p.m. UK, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Western. It's also put up as an IGTV afterwards if, if you miss it. Um, but yeah, where Dean and I basically answer questions. Well, I ask the questions and Dean answers them uh, on transfers around the world. Um, so let's let's rattle through a few, Dean. And, and someone we talked about right at the top of this podcast, Kaladu Koulibaly, Chelsea, City, both interested. What's the latest? Um, yeah, Chelsea and City, obviously, both in, in the market for an experienced, proven centre-back. Um, I think even Liverpool would have to be in, in the running for Koulibaly if he genuinely was available because you can't really afford one of your rivals to get him. And imagine a centre-back pairing of Koulibaly and Van Dijk. But um, yeah, I think that this is a difficult one because Napoli obviously won't want to lose Koulibaly. There's always been a presumption that Koulibaly wants to test himself in the Premier League and, and move on to another club. And actually, the sounds coming out of Italy right now are that that might not actually be the case. So if Koulibaly hasn't got the ambition to push himself on, into English football, then, then we can forget about it. Um, also, there's obviously the factor that every time I talk about Koulibaly to someone, they're like, well, he's going to cost 80 million. He's going to cost 70 million. Um, not many clubs have that kind of money right now. Chelsea might. Chelsea might because they, they seem to be big spenders going forward. They're going to continue to to fill up their squad with new talent. Um, Man City, potentially, because that is their, the position they are prioritising. But it's um, going to be difficult. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 right now that Koulibaly comes to any of the English clubs. Lautaro, Barcelona. This has been rolling on forever, but are Barcelona just broke? Barcelona have no money right now. They're going to try and, and change that. There's always this ongoing debate about, about um, within the club some still desperate to have Neymar back instead of Lautaro. Um, some people think you need a different vision and, and that Lautaro is the answer going forward. Maybe Messi could decide that for us. I don't know. But um, Well, his 110 million release clause is expired. That, that bit of his contract has passed. So it's no longer you pay 110 million euros and you get Lautaro Martinez. It is Inter have to accept your offer. And from what you've been saying over the last few weeks, Inter have no interest in, in selling Lautaro Martinez. Yeah, somebody that I speak to um, quite regularly has been uh, dealing with Inter recently. And 
he said to me that one of the conversations he had intimated it very clear that the way that they're building for next season, that Lautaro is part of their plans and that they are almost adamant that he won't be going anywhere, partly because they don't believe that anybody will meet um, his valuation, that they his, no one's going to meet that price tag that he's got, even if it's not 110 million automatically, it's still going to be up there. Um, secondly, why would you want to lose Lautaro right now? You know, he's, he's just found his feet in Serie A, he's settled, he's young. He's enthusiastic. He's ambitious. He's got these this team that's building around him. I don't think he's desperate to go. Obviously, if you're um, an Argentine and you've got the chance to go and play with Messi at Barcelona, you're going to go if it comes along. But if there's a best second place to be right now, then Inter seems pretty good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go across to Inter's great rivals, Juventus. Uh, every time you mention Maurizio Sarri, it seems that it's only a matter of time before you mention a Jorginho link with with him being signed and there are noises starting to become noises that Jorginho is wanted at Juventus although Arthur signing potentially negates that a slight I mean yeah Juve are looking at a rebuild and they're, they're trying to change things and, and get the players in that, that Sarri wants um, I think that a difficulty that they've got is that um, they don't have the cash flow that they would have expected to have at, at this stage of the year and they are having to get a little bit inventive in, in the way that they're trying to sign players, as we saw with Arthur and, and Pjanic. Uh, they're going to continue to try and swap players as, as part of deals and pay the cash difference. Um, any players that I've heard that they've tried to push towards Chelsea, they haven't been interested in. Lampard, we've seen, hasn't been picking Jorginho very much, though. And part of that reason is that there's a belief that Jorginho's had his head turned by this interest. I think Jorginho is happy at Chelsea, but I think he feels he would be happier at Juventus. I think it's obvious that, you know, of course, if that opportunity came up for him, it's going to appeal to him. Um, not only the actual destination, but the, the kind of stuff he's going to be competing for. Can they get this deal done? I, re- I really don't know. I think it's going to take a big offer. And I think what we've seen in the past that Chelsea are really, really hard negotiators when it comes to selling and they, they want a high price. So it's going to be tough to get him out of Chelsea. Okay, let's uh, we've got two more kind of big ones to discuss. And, and I guess one of them is just a club in general. Real Madrid are unnaturally quiet, like really quiet. And, and we know there's been interest in Pogba. We know there's been interest in N'Golo Kante. We know there's been interest, long-standing interest in Kylian Mbappe. But there doesn't seem to be much noise coming out of the Bernabeu. No, I mean, same reason as a lot of places right now. They, they don't really know what their financial future is and they, they can't go and throw the sorts of money around that they have been in, in recent years or would like to have been doing at this stage this year. Um, you know, they're helped out this year by the fact that they've gone top of La Liga. I think this is kind of unexpected when you look at their form from certain stages of the season. Um, but they've got a team full of stars. A lot of them are starting to find their way. They don't need a lot. And probably the positions that you would be looking at, them actually spending money in, are a few defensive options. So CDM, um, potentially a fullback, maybe another centre-half. There's always talk of them signing a new goalkeeper and getting rid of the one they've currently well, got. Well, no, as in I refuse to accept this. All, all the years I would accept this, but not this year. Thibaut Courtois no, is quietly team. having the season of his life. Yeah, but there's still talk of people. There's still people in Madrid that don't like him. That doesn't really change that. Um, but and of course, you've also got the situation whereby Luka Jovic might leave. Now, if Real Madrid can find a buyer for Luka Jovic and Leicester City are interested, um, as well as three or four other teams, a couple in Italy, um, 
then that opens up a space and there's always that conversation about who's the next Benzema and it's clearly not going to be Luka Jovic from what we've seen so far. Well, so Mil- he could do a lot worse than going to Milan, couldn't he? I know it hasn't oh, quite yeah, worked yeah. out for Piontek there, but in, in terms of if Zlatan is leaving, as he says he's going to leave, there's a big hole to fill up top in the Milan and, and they are starting to come a little bit good, Milan. And with Ralph yeah. Rangnick there next year, there's plenty of room to grow. Yeah, and they're going to have a half-decent transfer budget as well, Milan, from what I'm hearing. So, yeah, that, that's a good potential route out for him. Um, tough time for him because, you know, I don't believe he's become a bad player overnight. Some moves just don't work out the, the way that you hope they do. But, yeah, so I think Real Madrid, you know, their fans, they want an exciting transfer. While somebody like Camavinga is a great player and would be a really good signing for the future, the fans aren't going to get excited about that one. Yeah. They always like... If not a Galactico, there's something close to at least. Uh, might not be coming this summer unless they get rid of someone. Okay, and it's been another week of bad news for Arsenal fans. They lost to Derby at the weekend after really dominating Spurs for quite a lot of the game and, and still managing to somehow Arsenal it up. I'm, I'm still shocked you didn't put Shard Kolasinac as Melon of the Week because he would have probably been my Melon. Um, but let's talk about Thomas Partey because he's the one that continually gets linked to Arsenal. And as we've spoken about on Transfers in 20, he's the one that Arsenal want. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it's, it's still the case that they, that they want Thomas Partey. Um, can they do a deal? Well, they're going to have to get clever for him, as we've talked about um, on Instagram, the fact that they eventually got Nicolas Pepe out of the blue by imagining to structure the deal over the duration of 200 years, yeah. <laughs> in a way that, you know, people do structure deals over a course of time, but not usually in the way that Arsenal managed with that one, the amounts of money it, it was costing them. Um they're going to have to do something similar, I think, if they're going to get Partey. But then you've got to consider that this is kind of a mini overhaul going on at Arsenal right now. They need they need to get rid of people. Guendouzi, they're looking they're looking to sell him. Um, Lacazette could go. Aubameyang, what's going to happen with his contract? There are players in defence. Mustafi, um, David Luiz, obviously staying for now. Kieran Tierney looks like he's staying for now, but there's always the potential that somebody's going to make an offer for him because he's such a good player um, and hasn't totally settled in London. So I think that there is going to be quite a bit of change at Arsenal. and th- But this is the change that they actually want. A lot of it they don't actually want to happen. Um, this is one change they do want to happen. They want Partey to arrive and, and be the new boss of their midfield. Well, there we have it. If Kieran Tierney hasn't fully settled in London, uh, he knows where my number is to, to hit me up and, and we can be pals. So uh, <laughs> so I can solve that one for you. If someone at Arsenal Football Club wants to get me on the phone. Um, and that is pretty much all we have time for this week. Uh, all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Dean Jones. Thanks, mate. My brain's a bit sore after going through all those transfers, to be honest. Uh, this is this is what we, they pay you the big bucks for, though, mate. Um, and, and a huge thank you again to Christian Falk, who joined us uh, earlier on in the podcast to talk all the biggest news out of the Bundesliga. A real pleasure to have him on the show. Uh, thank you, as ever, for listening to us. This is BR Football Ranks. My name is Jack Collins. Make sure you hit us up with some ratings and reviews on iTunes and beyond. We really do appreciate it, and it does help us to grow. Thanks for listening, Rank Squad. Take care. Peace.